0: Hello and welcome to episode 47 of When Life Is Your Lemons Go Vegan. I'm your host, Corinne Nidja. And in this podcast, I share people's incredible stories of recovery after adopting a low-fat, whole-food, plant-based diet. And this week, I'm sharing the story of Fred Tross. Now, Fred Tross is turning 70 next year, Fred. I hope I got that right. I like this Fred story because Fred has taken it's been a slow burn, a whole food plant-based diet, slow burn for Fred. He had his first heart attack at the age of 36. And that's when he first started to learn more about diet. And then he went on to get diagnosed with type 2 diabetes. Four years later, he had deep vein thrombosis. He's had a long, he's had his thyroid removed. So his journey has been very, very long and only 2017 was when he finally fully committed to a whole food plant-based diet. I wanted to share Fred's story because he's, you know, since then he's had some really great results, but you know, his body was sending him as we talk about each week those guy those signposts saying something's wrong. Many weights keeps keeps doing the same things or getting a bit a little bit of improvement and as Dr. Michael Klepper says, you know, if you you can have a little bit of meat and dairy, if you want a little bit of disease and a little bit of amputation, which we mention in the show as well. So Fred Fred adjusted his diet a little bit, by a little bit, by a little bit, and you know, over those years, you know, he had you know heart does a heart attack, diabetes, differing ailments continually until he finally committed to a whole food plant based diet, and it's making that switch to being consistent and committed that was when he finally started to get the results that he was looking for and his health started to improve. So yes, I am very excited to share Fred's story with you today. I hope you enjoy listening to Fred. Thank you so much, Fred, for coming on the show. Hello, Fred, and welcome to the show.
1: Thank you. And I'm pleased to be on your show.
0: (laughs) That's awesome. So Fred, I've given everyone a little bit of of your backstory in the introduction. But but now I'd really like you to just start at the start and tell us, you know, how what was happening in your health that led you to a whole food plant based diet, and how you've what's happened since you found a whole food plant based diet. Tell us your story.
1: <laughs> okay, I mean basically I've struggled with uh, heart issues since 1986, so I've been on and off low fat diets, etc., starting with Pritikin. And then um, fruitarian I was for a while. And then just I decided I was going to have no no chicken and no, sorry, no, no red meat. So I was having chicken and fish. And around about March of last year, my wife was diagnosed with high cholesterol. And she was told she had to go on statins. And she said to the doctor, well, look, just give me six months on the diet. And see how I go, so I don't want to take the statins. Anyway, she stopped eating uh, meat March last year, and basically I did too. So from then on, we're we're on just um, on fish, and we cut out chicken as well. Uh, but we're still having dairy and eggs now. I was still having dairy and eggs as at November, at which stage I cut that out. So it's been a progression, as it usually is, you know, but. I've always taken it fairly seriously because I've had episodes where I've had to be on warfarin and I've had issues with DVTs and a a pulmonary embolism. That was as late as, I think it was May 16. So I've been careful ever since then, but I've just had, I've been tightening it up a bit at a time ever since and I've been basically all pure since November last year. Except when I see a Turkish delight, which I'm compelled to eat. <laughs> <laughs> I have trouble with Turkish delight. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's one of my least favorites. But I love it how everyone has their thing. That's like, oh, that's the thing I've <laughs> I struggle I struggle avoiding.
1: We've cut out we've cut out olive oil, and basically up until lunchtime, I only eat raw food. I don't have any cook, cooked food. Um, My diabetes has disappeared, which I was diagnosed with 20 years ago. It's now um, I've got an HbA1c reading of 5.4. I'm having another blood test on the 2nd of August. I expect it to be under 5. To those who don't know about diabetes, HbA1c is your average reading for 90 days. So everything's tracking well there. I've overcome diabetes. I don't. I know you don't like that word, overcome. But as far as I'm concerned,
0: it's overcome. <laughs> no. I like it. I mean, it's it's cure that people get really all oh, about.
1: <laughs> my doctor says you can't cure diabetes. It's there for life. That's rubbish. It's definitely cured, and my cholesterol figures have come down substantially as well.
0: So, Fred, tell us a bit more about when you had your because like that's a huge. That's that's a they're huge things to overcome, a pulmonary, pulmonary embolism and diabetes. Yeah, that was
1: pretty scary.
0: <laughs> yeah, so I, I feel like you're just kind of flitting over them. But your, your life must be very different now than how it was. So, so how, how, how has your life changed? Like what, what was life like back then for you?
1: Well, I used to eat out a heck of a lot more. We, we've got a group of friends that we have dinner parties with and that's changed substantially because I don't like eating out. I don't trust the food anywhere in restaurants. I, I have trouble getting my head around that. And my wife says, oh, just once a month's not going to hurt. You know, if you start making exceptions once a month, then it's twice a month and, and more often. So I like to try and keep it as tight as I can. So that's been the main change. I don't, we don't eat out as much, even even just eating on our own, Like if you go to a a restaurant that says it's vegan, in reality they've got oil and salt in their food. So um, you can't really take it for granted that you're eating the right food. Mm. So I just keep it as tight as I possibly can. And I'm still on warfarin, but I've I've petitioned to the doctor to be able to – I want to give it up because I hate having the regular checks – you know, of of the INR to see whether I've – I think I'm clot-proof now, but the doctor reckons I should keep taking it.
0: (laughs) So when you had your pulmonary –
1: Yeah, the the embolism was very scary. I was told at that point – I was told at that time that I dodged a bullet and apparently I did. It was called a a saddle clot, which means that it was over both both lungs. So uh, my breathing was severely restricted. And apparently it had already passed through the heart. So I got away with not having a heart attack at that point. Um, but I did have a DVT in the left leg at the same time. A DVT is a deep vein thrombosis. So, you know, I haven't had any episodes of clotting since that, that time. So that's nearly two years now. But I have had episodes of tachycardia, which is um, rapid heartbeat, uh, ventricular tachycardia, they call it. I was offered a pacemaker, but I didn't want that. I don't like anything artificial stuck in me. Um, but I, there is a risk of having episodes of rapid heartbeat at odd times. But my last one was um, in March 19, 2017. So it's just it's been over a year now. I haven't had any problem with that.
0: Wow, that's really good. So over a year. So how, how often were you having tachycardia?
1: Well, I was having missed beats, you know. Yeah, yeah, like
0: yeah, rapid heart.
1: Palpitations, mm, yeah. yeah. That wasn't helped by coffee consumption. <laughs> no. um, but I, I had the previous episode of tachycardia was 2013. That was the first time and it hit me really hard. I, I was beating at 229 a minute. And at that point, I fainted and broke my nose on the way down. Oh, no. (laughs) I was very lucky that my wife found me on the floor. Otherwise, I might not have made it to hospital. Oh, God. But anyway, um, they zapped me in hospital and I got back to normal heart rhythm. As I said, there was no further episodes until 2017. But there was occasions in between that when I I started having dizzy spells. And that was related to, you know, rapid, rapid beating, but... It wasn't enough to, to, to um, make me unconscious, you know, because that's the main danger. You could be in the car and have tachycardia and conk out. But look, I really have full confidence in the diet. As I said, it's basically 100% now. But um, I have almond milk on my cereal, and I only have cereal every, every two or three days. If there's too much of that's no good for diabetes. I have uh, fasting sugar readings below five. 4.8, 4.7. And I know that as long as I stick to the diet, nothing serious is gonna happen. I really have full confidence in it. So how did,
0: you, how did you hear about this diet?
1: Well, I've always been aware of it. I've read a lot on, on um, Google. And I did biology uh, way back in, in 1990. I was doing the nutrition diet here in, in Perth when we first moved here. So I've had a very strong interest in it since I had my heart attack back in 1986. I know what I had to do, but it was a long time doing it properly. And that is the main challenge that people have, sticking to it over a long period of time. Yes. But it depends a lot on your experiences because if you get away with it, you'll keep doing the wrong thing. Mm. But if you don't get away with it, you start to make corrections very rapidly until you are doing the right thing and you start living a healthier life.
0: It's so true. If you get away with it, I, I actually think that's, that's the key, friend. If you get away with it, you will keep doing it. <laughs> but if it catches you, yeah. then you do make corrections exactly. pretty rapidly.
1: Because we're pretty, pretty weak creatures, really. You know, we, we do take the easy way out most of the time. I used, to love, I used to love my meat pies, and that was one of the hardest things to give up.
0: Wow. I wanted to ask you what you used to eat like before you became raw in the morning and whole food plant-based in the afternoon. What did you eat like?
1: I used to have my two favourite uh, muck-ups were meat pies and and chips, hot chips. Mm. Uh, but only, I'd keep it to about two or three days a week. And I thought that was good enough, but it wasn't good enough really. Mm. And what else? I used to like licorice. I gave that up pretty well after 2016. When we learned about Michael's diagnosis with uh, MS, we gave up salmon. So that was towards the end of last year. Mm. Um, and before that, I was having eggs in the morning and a, a bowl of cereal with, with, with um, cow's milk. So up until about November, I'm still having cereal and cow's milk daily mm. and and eggs daily. Mm. But that, that's all gone yeah, and wow. I'm loving my fruit. I yeah. have about, I think, about five different kinds of fruit every morning, including um, banana, avocado. I have two avocados a day, one and a half actually. I leave half for my wife. She's worried about it being too fatty, so she keeps it to a half. But I think... It's really good for cholesterol because it's, it's increased my HDL and reduced my LDL.
0: Well, different people have different thoughts on 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 the fats. I'm under twenty with multiple sclerosis. It's under twenty grams, and and you know I do follow a low fat whole food plant based diet. So that that's a lot of fat f- for me and most people who are listening. But I mean, if it's working for you, then <laughs> and it's whole food plant based, then I guess that's you know.
1: Yeah. Well, I I include things like uh, um, strawberries, uh, pitted olives, um, mandarins, grapes when they're in season. I do have something cooked in the morning. I have steamed potato, I have one of those. But that's out of the fridge. They've been cooked the night before. And I I also enjoy papita paste, which is made of pumpkin seeds and garlic and all good stuff like that spread on on a piece of wholemeal bread. I try and limit my bread to two, two slices a day, but sometimes I have three, occasionally four. It's one of my weaknesses, but.
0: <laughs> I think that bread is everyone's weakness.
1: <laughs> it's so easy to eat fresh bread, isn't it? Isn't oh, it?
0: It's just the best. It's the best. It's Particularly the best. when it's
1: nice and seedy and full of good stuff.
0: Yeah, it's so good.
1: But also, I found with the, the diabetes and the blood sugar, if you can contain your consumption of food, even if you take a few wrong things, you can have you make your consumption uh, limited to between, say, seven in the morning and seven at night, or at the very latest eight at night, and give yourself twelve hours break. Your blood sugars return to normal.
0: So intermittent fasting kind is that, is that what you're talking about?
1: Well, basically it's that, and keeping the calories to around about. Two thousand a day
0: maximum. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. I,
1: I don't believe in fasting. I just believe in giving your system a rest.
0: Yeah, well, that is fasting, and I'm not. I'm not talking about fasting as far as big, big fast. But but going to sleep and top it. No, your... if you
1: just have your if you have your dinner at seven seven thirty and then going to bed, you know, without eating any more
0: nibblies mm, in mm,
1: between time. Mm. That's that's basically what I'm
0: what I'm yeah, talking about. Yeah. Yeah, and
1: that's a good regime because you mm-hmm. wake up in the morning, and you feel ready to eat about seven seven thirty, and if you don't overdo it, you know your blood sugar will be normal the next morning.
0: People who are listening uh, and you have diabetes, this is a good this is a good tra- strategies to employ. Um, I think that absolutely. People, yeah, were you overweight when you were first diagnosed with diabetes?
1: Uh, i have never been severely overweight. In fact, uh, I was seventy seven kilos in. March 2016, that's when I actually slipped over and broke my uh, one of my vertebrae. And then progressively since then, I've lost about 14 kilos. So I'm pretty lightweight now. I'm 65 kilos, um, 65 and a half, sometimes 64. You know, it depends on whether I'm carrying a lot of water. But basically, um, my BMI is below what you'd call healthy, was right on the healthy mark. So I'm not overweight at all and I'm not underweight. I'm just right. And I don't have any trouble maintaining that.
0: That's great. So when were you diagnosed with diabetes?
1: When? Uh, around about mid-95, mid-90s, so it was a whole 20 years ago.
0: Mm. So when did you have your heart attack? Sorry, I'm just asking you all these questions. Not- but-
1: 1986.
0: 19... I was only
1: 36 at the 86. time.
0: Wow.
1: And I'd had previous episodes of uh, deep vein thrombosis. So I've had a, um, a vein problem basically since my mid-20s, and that's hereditary because my father suffered from it as well. And I've got a mutation called Factor five. If you have that mutation, you're, you're 10% more likely than the population without it to get uh, a deep vein thrombosis say, when you're flying or if you're immobile for a while. Uh, so you're at higher risk of clotting, and um, there's not much you can do about it. It's hereditary. But I believe when you say there's not much you can do about it, if you're on the whole food plant-based diet, I think it becomes irrelevant. I think the, the, the mutation becomes irrelevant because the diet is so good, it, it knocks it out. The only thing is you've got to minimise... Oh, sorry, not not minimise, but don't overdo greens because they're loaded with vitamin K mm-hmm. and vitamin K is a clotting clotting aid.
0: It's so interesting you're saying this, Fred, because my dad has the opposite. Well, not haemophilia, but close to haemophilia. He just doesn't clot. His blood doesn't clot. So he was right. supposed to have surgery. That's another
1: factor. That's another genetic mutation. One, There's 13 factors in the haematological uh, range. Yeah. And hematology, uh, sorry, um, factor five is one of them. Yeah. But also hemophilia is is actually an hereditary problem or, or the inability to clot is another issue for a hematologist.
0: Yeah, yeah. So he's seeing a hematologist and I was ram- cramming, filling him full of greens because I wanted him to clot, get vitamin K. It
1: would it would help. Yeah, increase his clotting time.
0: For clotting. And no one had mentioned that to him because he wasn't able to have the surgery he desperately needed um, because they, they were like, you'll die on the table because your blood won't clot.
1: Uh, so if I ever need surgery, I have to stop warfarin.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because he kept taking aspirin as his medication of choice whenever he had a Pede well, aspirin is going to
1: make his butt
0: dinner. Yeah. And so when he had this nose surgery years ago, he was taking aspirin because that was his childhood painkiller for his whole life. So he just thought that was what he would take for the pain. And he got this blood nose that went literally for – he had to go to emergency. It was just pouring in buckets and buckets and buckets. And the doctor's like, what are you doing? And he said, nothing. I'm taking painkillers like you told me to. And they found out he was taking aspirin, and they just said, Oh my God, like you're just, for him, his condition, it was just the worst possible choice of painkiller. (laughs) Mm, So interesting. I'd never heard of factor five until now that you're talking about. So he's desperate to have what. It's
1: called factor five laden L E D E N.
0: He needs a pinch of what you've got, and you need a pinch of what he's got.
1: (laughs) Well, in actual fact, I mean, the whole food plant based diet is a anticoagulant diet, as far as I'm concerned. There's only been one article that promotes it in preference to blood thinners, namely uh, warfarin, and that that makes reference to actually 15 other studies. But I put that in front of my own GP and he says, don't trust it. Apparently one person in the study uh, was put on a plant-based diet, went on to have went on to have um, a pulmonary embolism and died. (laughs) So that's the the, um, example they take as a a don't do it.
0: And because you don't know if they were eating, like if they were actually sticking to it, adhering to it, if they were having a big Mac on their way out of the doctor's office.
1: (laughs) Yeah, not monitored. Yeah. Not monitored at all. And yet the, the good examples in the study where people got better with it they're totally ignored by, by doctors and doctors say, well, they'll focus on the bad example and say, keep taking your medication.
0: Obviously, you know, yeah, listen to your doctor, but otherwise, you know, getting a, I've had to get second opinions numerous times. <laughs> so sometimes you need to find someone who will actually read it and be a bit more open-minded. But, you know, but obviously take, you know, I'd continue taking, taking your medicine if it's going to save your life for it. <laughs>
1: Well, when I say doctors, I've got two doctors now, one for general health and one for advising me on the diet. I found a vegan doctor. She likes to keep it a secret yeah. because it's looked down upon. Mm. And and I have to travel one and a half hours to get there, one and a half hours back, which is worth seeing. So I see her once every, say, three months, and that's when I get all my blood tests checked.
0: Yes. And how are your blood tests, Fred?
1: Well, uh, my, as I said, my last blood sugar was 5.4, which is below the diabetes threshold. And my last um, primary risk ratio with cholesterol was under 5. And I expect this next one, which I'm having in a few days, I expect those results to be improved again.
0: Oh, fantastic! So your story is is quite interesting for me because you know your health issue started
1: a long time ago.
0: A long time ago, when I was ten, <laughs> so I'm nearly forty. <laughs> but you've been a slow journey, like you say, and I think that a lot of people who are listening or who might who might listen in the future, even though obviously everyone who's every doctor who's been on this show would say. Hundred percent adherence all the time. You know, Michael, Dr. Michael Clapper he says, you know, if you want a little bit of diabetes or a little bit of heart disease, you can have a little bit of dairy and a little bit of meat,
1: and then you can have a, a, little, bit of, uh, yeah, exactly. yeah.
0: a little bit of amputation. Yeah, exactly. A little bit of amputation. Dr.
1: Gregor, I've, I've heard of that. I've seen that video. It's very good.
0: Yeah, and I, I, I hundred percent agree with that. But like you did say, and like I, my experience with multiple sclerosis, and Chronic disease was. that It took me four years until a big thing happened, and then I, and then I took, it, and then I took it very seriously, and I've been pretty strict since then. But you know, you still have a little bit too much fat one day, or a, you you know, a little bit this, or a little bit that. So it's still, it's still. And look, in-
1: the younger, the younger you are, the harder it is to get the message.
0: It's so hard, you know. It is hard, and
1: at thirty six, when I had the heart attack, prior to that, I felt as though I was immortal. I was working in my own business, 14 hours, drinking oodles of milk with coffee, and I thought, nothing will touch me. I'm fine. And then for about three months after the heart attack, I had what they call cardio. Um, I was afraid of having another one. So every time there was the slightest rise in the footpath, i tread very carefully. I was afraid of walking. I was afraid of exercising heavily. And then I said, I can't live like this. I put my son on my, my shoulders. He was only about five months old, After two months after the heart attack. And I walked up the steepest hill I could find. I said, no, I'm going to do this. I'm doing it my way. And within a, a couple of years, I was back to feeling immortal. <laughs> so, you know, you, you overcome these things and you, you feel stronger and you start making mistakes again. But you've got to keep remembering, you know, You've only got one body, and you've got to treat it
0: right. It's so true. I reckon. I don't know if I've mentioned this on the show. Probably I have. It just becomes a blur. But I remember when, probably a couple of years into having multiple sclerosis, I had another relapse. I don't know what it was. I think my mouth, my mouth went numb just on one, just on like the bottom lip, and. Anyway, it was just this weird numbness in my tongue and in my mouth on the side of one side, right-hand side. And I thought, oh gosh, you know, like it's happening again. And I'd been falling off the wagon, having way too much baked goods, vegan treats, non... I don't think I had any non-vegan treats, but just way too many vegan treats, high-fat vegan salt sugar
1: treats yeah yeah, I know I know what
0: you're talking about yeah I I loved all of those foods before and I was feeling good I was feeling immortal again I'd been feeling great and so I was eating heaps more of them just thinking oh well one like you say one cut you have it once a month and you like have it once a week I'm still feeling good so who cares I'll have it once a day (laughs) exactly and I remember that happened and I said to my mum Cause your friends all as well get used to you being healthy again. So they start asking you to do more things that involve more places that are going to put you into temptation and more situations that are going to put you into trickier food temptation situations. And you all forget together. I think everyone's just thinking, oh, well, you're over that now. Let's, let's just have enjoy life again. But then that happened and I said, oh, you know, I need an elastic band. It's something. electric shocks me whenever I think I'm not still at risk. And my mum was like, oh, you know, that doesn't exist. And I said, I need something. And then when I went numb from the waist down two years later, I said, I need a tattoo, like, on my hand or on my face that says, don't eat that stuff, you know, like you're never – it's never okay. It's never okay. But I I know so – like, your story resonates with me so strongly because I remember that four years over – and it's been since then as well, don't get me wrong, I just haven't – I've just dodged a bullet and and – and be dodging a bullet, yeah it is yeah. dodging a bullet, you know whenever I have a brownie or a piece of cake or a thing, you think, is this the thing that's gonna make <laughs> <laughs> and i don't ha and I have less and less and less, but it is a, a it is a, I don't know what's wrong with humans why can't, why we can't but some people on the show get the message immediately i I'm just not one of them It's taken me a very long time, and now I'm super super strict
1: well, you seem to have the message now that, yeah.
0: You know- just and I said, the, so the like, older
1: you get, the more you take it seriously because, yeah. you know, you realise that, you know, life is pretty short when yeah. you think about it. Yeah. The it's, decades just go by so quickly. Yes. I my oh, I'm turning 70 um, in May next year, and I don't know where the last 30 years went. <laughs> I've been pretty busy, but now I'm retired. But I treat this diet as a rod now. You know, basically that's me. And I'm not deviating from it.
0: Exactly. Same. 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 But it took a long time, and I wish that people could just learn about how amazing this. stuff to- And some people do. Some people are just like most of the doctors who come on this show. They did. They read the research. They read the literature. They said, "All right." And they just dusted their <laughs> hands together. And they. Now these ones were good. They were just like this literature. The science is solid. I believe in it, and they just don't eat that food, and I just admire that so that's so much. But for me, I found it. I found it a hard, slow journey, and I think for many people, and I think it comes back, like you said, it's a mind. It, you have to start making the your mind has to catch up. Like your spirit or your mind, whatever has to catch up with with the new information. If that makes sense, you need to change your mindset. To accept it as a new normal for yourself.
1: Well, I've seen my my uh, regular GP come back from lunch with, you know, a can of coke in his hand and polishing off a hamburger. So he hasn't made any changes, and I try to tell him, you know, you need to make some changes. Otherwise, you're going to it's, it's going to cost you later. He doesn't listen. He says he just keep taking statins if he has to. And, and my my wife's doctor said, oh, in, a, in a few years' time, everyone will be on statins. You know, they place such a, a confidence in that wretched drug.
0: What, what do statins do? I actually don't quite understand what they well, do. Well, statins
1: reduce the, the level of um, bad cholesterol, LDL, if you want to call it that, uh... low-density lipids. and And they actually reduce them. They take, take them out of your bloodstream by intervening with the uh, process of something to do with the, 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 the uh, gallbladder.
0: Okay, so, so, so where does the bad cholesterol go when you take statins?
1: It just leaves your system through, through excretions.
0: Wow, and what are the side effects to taking statins?
1: It has uh, effects on your musculoskeletal, uh, not everybody's yeah. side effects for some people.
0: Yeah.
1: And other people have no side effects, but um, it can make you feel weak. You know, it's different for every person. But also the fact is that they, they haven't proven that cholesterol is the, the, the culprit and therefore they're reducing cholesterol just on a whim, basically. Uh, I mean, 25% of the cholesterol in people's bodies is in the brain. If you start taking cholesterol out of the brain, it can affect your synapse capacity. Who knows, it may even cause Alzheimer's. So I don't like messing with natural processes. And if you have a natural diet, then it's the best chance of everything in your body behaving naturally. So don't interfere with it by putting unproven drugs into your body. That's my policy.
0: (laughs) It's a a bit of mine too.
1: (laughs) I've just about cut out all my medication. I don't don't take the diabetes medication anymore. I don't take blood pressure medication because my blood pressure is normally 120 over 80, which is quite good. Sometimes I can drop it down to, since I've been on the diet, it drops down to 110 over 70 or lower, which is like a child's blood pressure. Occasionally, I take statins, but I've just about weaned myself off that. I've got to take I've got to take uh, the uh, the warfarin until the doctor says stop taking it. Uh, and I take um, uh, thyroxine because I don't have a thyroid. That's another thing that I, I had to have that taken out about nine years ago because it was growing, it was getting lumpy. But it wasn't it wasn't uh, cancerous. It was benign. And if I had read about the responsibilities that the thyroid has in your digestive process, because it's involved in all areas of digestion, fat, protein, and sugars. I would never have had it taken out, but the doctor never told me the full story. I only found out afterwards, after it was gone, and now I can't grow one back.
0: Uh, so I've, got to, I've got
1: to take this wretched little pill every morning mm. to, to make up for the, for the thyroid. Which is a bit like a thermostat. You know, if you haven't got a thyroid, you have trouble balancing your hot and cold. So you get you're overheating summer, and you you freeze in winter.
0: <laughs> it's such an amazing organ. Like, I think that all of us just think, oh, you know, I've got thyroid problems, and just dismiss it. You know, I've I've even I've had thyroid problems and had to take that thyroxine when I was pregnant with Iggy for um, the pregnancy, and then it kind of regulated itself sorted itself out yeah. mm, but I you don't really they just like you know it makes you gain weight or makes you get too skinny you have too tired or too much energy that's all I really knew about it and that's all I really cared to know about it and it's only it seems to be everywhere these people have these problems with their thyroid and
1: it's a critical organ and people it's are it, gotta look it.
0: yeah and no one really knows what it does you know and so it's it's fast, it's fast. Once you find out, you know, it's just mind blowing that we just like, just medicate yourself for it and cut it out and, you know, don't think about it. But maybe we should think about it.
1: And it's one of my greatest regrets. I wish I could grow one back, but I can't, you
0: know. Yeah. It's, it's it's a fun. lot of people have, have healed. Um, even Hashimoto's have been on this show have healed Hashimoto's and have healed their thyroid issues with a whole food plant-based diet. So I know it's too late for you and it's too late for so many others. But, you know, when a lot of people, including myself, including many people that we know, you know, we just blindly follow whatever our doctors tell us and we blindly go ahead. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't see a doctor. We should, we should, we should. But just do a little bit of digging and see what this organ is for. What you know, what why, what could be hurting it? What could be making it inflamed or f- giving it disease in in our bodies? There's
1: always there's always an answer, and I really believe. I mean, I have more confidence in the diet than I do in my doctor. Yeah, and that's that's it in a nutshell, and that is going to continue forever, as far as I'm concerned. I learned recently that there's, um, there's five thousand Australians who are now living over a hundred, and I want to be one of them. In fact, I'm targeting one hundred and twenty.
0: Me too, Fred. We have the exact same goal. Nobody else says that. Whenever I say I'm one hundred and twenty, they all think, Corinne, you're being ludicrous." And I always think, nah, nah, "No, no, nah. no." Okay, unless you walk
1: out in front of a truck or well, yeah, of course, you know, do something stupid. Yeah, like tripping over. On, I, I broke my back when I slipped on on pea gravel.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, those things can happen, you know. Yeah. But from now on, I won't be stepping on pea gravel. <laughs> you, know, you learn by your mistakes.
0: I don't know and what pea gravel by... is, but I'm going to avoid it's it. It's
1: just soft soft uh, gravel on the edge of an unsealed road.
0: Oh, okay. Mental note. I'm not doing that.
1: I stopped to, to take a photo of a beautiful wildflower, and it cost me my back.
0: So the sayings, <laughs> anyway. don't stop to, sell the, stop to smell the roses in this instance, was not... <laughs>
1: It wasn't a rose.
0: It wasn't a rose. It didn't even look that good. Oh, Yeah, I took Fred. the
1: photo and I, when I got it home and edited it, it was pretty ordinary. I would rather have my vertebrae back, you know.
0: Oh, Anyway,
1: jeeps. that's the way it goes.
0: It's the way it goes. So it's
1: left me with a little bit of a stoop. That's the only downside.
0: Mm, bummer. And,
1: and muscular pain in the back. Mm, but, but, you know, I can live with that. It doesn't, it doesn't hurt my heart.
0: You have to live to 120 with that.
1: The only problem with that, you know, Corinne, is what are you going to do with the time? Because, you know, you got to start filling yourself with all sorts of hobbies. Otherwise, you get bored.
0: I know. I'm just taking up the guitar. So that's one. Good for you. And then I suppose rock climbing. And then I think of sur- uh, surfing. Well, just... Small rocks, <laughs> low. I'm happy just to just to get. Str- I like the idea of getting the strength and being outdoors. Don't go taking on
1: Everest, will you? No,
0: no don't know. I might. Don't go
1: taking on Everest. I might
0: one day. I don't know. I want. I've got so well, many actually, things. Actually, I
1: heard a story recently. There was someone diagnosed with MS. They've actually made it to the summit.
0: Yeah. See, I'm. Of gonna, Everest. I'm going to do that. So it's not impossible. Yeah, I'm going to do that. I, I, I just there's so many things to see, travel and see things and instruments and experiences. And even if I just meditated for ten years of the last ten, I'm happy with that.
1: <laughs> oh, look, you, you probably won't even need that palliative care. is for for people who are just waiting around to die.
0: Ah, oh, not palliative care, just to sit and be still in nature for ten years. I'd be, I'd be, I'd, I'd be all right with that. Just sitting under some trees, that'd be okay.
1: Yeah, fair enough.
0: In the, by the ocean. I'm not saying that I'm not going to be able to move. I'm not. I mean, I don't mean that I'm going to be not moving. I mean, if that's if stillness and just enjoying the air on my face, if that's like, you know, being outdoors, if, I have, if, I'm, if I'm exhausted all hobbies, which I doubt, and I finished all the writing I want to get done and I've talked to everyone, I hugged everyone, then I'll be happy just to sit in a forest. <laughs> when you
1: break a hundred, there's not going to be anyone left to hug unless you know them.
0: Our kids, you know, most, my kids. Most of
1: the people you know will be gone. Even your kids will be Unless they've adopted the diet, well,
0: they're all, they might not
1: be around either.
0: My kids are all plant-based. <laughs> I'm making them stay it forever.
1: <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. Well, they've achieved that. Our, our kids haven't. They're,
0: well, they were, born, they were born vegan, though, because I, I had them after I made the switch.
1: Well, the, the story now is that um, the, the current generation is the first generation in history not likely to outlive their parents. Or not likely to live as long as their parents, so that there won't be a full generation between the time of death of the parent and the time of death of the child.
0: Oh, that's a nightmare. Anyway, yes, I, I've heard that too.
1: So unless, unless, oh, look, I think I think the the movement of, of plant based is picking up steam. The restaurants need to get in with it a bit quicker. So we can eat out, and, and they need to reduce their bloody prices too, quite frankly.
0: Oh no, definitely in Australia, ours are cr- our, our prices are extreme. A bit of avo on toast is 18 bucks.
1: Yeah, that's ridiculous. I mean, I can buy an avocado for 149 here, and the toast, one piece of bread is what? A fraction of a cent. And there's my avocado on toast, probably 50 cents if it's that.
0: It is a crime. <laughs> it's a crime. So, Fred. What would be your three biggest tips to someone who is, you know, you've overcome, you know, you're now diabetes medication-free, you haven't got your diabetes symptoms, you're feeling better, you've overcome so much through the years since your first heart attack in 1986 and your deep vein thrombosis. Now, I'm not saying that those things were directly correlated to a whole food plant-based diet, but you've been on this transition for a long time and now you're, you know, a, a while into your whole committed to whole food, plant-based eating and you're feeling really good.
1: Well, you've got to, rec- to recognise that your body's an instrument and you've got to look after it. And the whole food, plant-based diet is the best way to do that. Start today, don't put it off, and don't look back. Um, other than that, uh, try and maximise your calorie intake to about 2,000 a day. And give yourself a twelve-hour break. In other words, you know, don't eat after seven or eight o'clock when you've had your dinner. Avoid those after-dinner snacks because that's when you're most likely to to muck things up.
0: So true. So true. So They're such good, very good, simple, straightforward tips for anyone. So start today
1: don't and look don't back. look
0: back. And don't eat after seven. So twelve-hour break. Don't
1: overeat. Don't overeat. Yes. And you know, when you look at all the people who are um, hungry, by not by their own choice, but they seem to survive, don't they? You know, it's true. people who eat less really have the potential to live longer. Mm. Mm. Um, but there's other things that, that affect them, like disease and hygiene and stuff like that. But but it's not there. It's not not eating enough. They don't die of hunger. They die of malnutrition or, or um, you know, <laughs> d- disease generated by, by uh, dirty water or whatever.
0: Mm.
1: So, so, you know, it's not – we don't need to have thousands of calories a day. You know, 2,000 is enough, but 3,000, 4,000 is ridiculous. And they specify 3,000 as a minimum for men, too much. It's just going to put on weight, unnecessary weight.
0: Well, I I, 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 don't, I couldn't say. I don't know the the amount that they recommend for men. I've never, I've never read that. <laughs> so I could, I couldn't, I couldn't speak on that. But um, yeah, I do think that two thousand is perfect for me. Uh, well, even less, probably about 18, yeah, 16 and eighteen. Eighteen is six, enough. Sixteen for me, sixteen to eighteen.
1: Yeah, that's alright.
0: But, you know, it it is something that for me, overeating is something that's been a huge journey for me. Compulsive eating and overeating has been a part of my life for most of my life. And it is something that I'm only really recently getting a hold of in a way that makes me feel finally free and good around food because I didn't for so my whole life. I felt like food was this obsession thing in my head that took all of my thoughts. And now I don't have that. And it feels for someone who you have, it sounds like you have never had that issue. But for me, it's been a huge problem. And for a lot of people listening, that compulsive eating and that food addiction and those, because our society is very much structured around reward yourself, comfort yourself. It's not, like you said, your body is an instrument, look after it. But we've been taught that our, that to medicate ourselves with food, to comfort our, our antidepressants are food. Our any anxiety medication is food. Our anytime we feel sad or grief or discomfort, to eat it. You know, if you're having a blood test, you eat your ba- eat, eat McDonald's to get re- uh, to celebrate. That you had a blood test, or if you're ha- if you're having a exam, have junk food. If you've got a fail at exam, have junk food. If you win a race, you get junk food. If you lose a race, you get misery junk food. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And so we all work that way because we've been conditioned to well, eat that way, and it is, is such a huge thing to get off that cycle because it is it yeah. is it is it's giving us disease.
1: If you load up your morning with foods that you really love, like I yes. oh, like avocado and banana. Yes. Um, strawberries, olives, and you can eat quite a bit of that without breaking your calorie limit anyway. So sometimes I just go back to the fridge and have a few more olives or a couple of more strawberries. No problem. It doesn't – they don't contain a lot of calories.
0: Mm, the avocado contains a lot of calories, but the rest of it. Yeah, doesn't. but I only have
1: that in the morning and that's it. So I, I, I have a limit of – I was having three-quarters of an avocado a day and I recently read another article which is so full of goodies that it's hard to ignore. And I said, well, I'm going to double that because I reckon it's good for me and, and I, it's, never cost, it's never done me any damage. I'll find out when I get my blood test done whether it has done any damage. But
0: <laughs> let me know.
1: I will. I will definitely do that. Let me That's know. That's only two or three days away. Yeah, let me know. And I'm predicting that my cholesterol will have fallen again and that my blood sugar will be fine. I um, also followed that, that uh, article of Michael Gregg's where you, you've only got to eat four Brazil nuts a month. Have you heard of that one? No. Four Brazil nuts a month will reduce your LDL more rapidly than, than um, or by, by at, least, at least as well as taking statins. So that, that'll replace drugs.
0: That is so Only four insane. a month,
1: believe it or not.
0: That's amazing. That's amazing. It's hard to believe that. It is.
1: I, don't, I think even he, he doubts it, but the science has proven it.
0: Wow. I have, to, t- I have
1: to tell my the videos video on is on his website. Yeah, so if I'll, you I'll, look I'll, it
0: up, I'll send it to my mum today.
1: <laughs> just type in Brazil and it'll come up.
0: Yeah, I will.
1: Four Brazil nuts a month. Michael
0: Greger is, is my diet card. Yeah, me too. I love I love Michael Greger. Okay, Fred, thank you so much for coming on the show. I loved speaking to you and hearing your story. And I think there's so many people who are out there who are living with type two diabetes and you know, overcoming you've overcome a lot, which is which is, which is why you're where you are now, so committed and focused to eating a low fat, whole food, plant based diet.
1: I think it's clear sailing from here on. You know, I don't expect to get any more illnesses, any more critical threats to my life. You know, it's all going to be good from here, from now on.
0: All the way from now till one hundred and twenty.
1: Exactly. or well, maybe even longer than that. Who knows?
0: Thank you, Fred. It was great talking to you and meeting you. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And if you haven't yet subscribed, I put out new episodes every Sunday Monday over at iTunes and Stitcher, and I'm drizzling them out, the audio out over on my YouTube channel, at Corinne Nidja YouTube channel. And what else? You can also follow me at the When Life Kished Lemons Go Vegan Facebook page where I put out updates, new episodes, guest updates, all those kinds of things. You can head over there and give that page a like, and then you'll be kept in the loop about all of the new guests and all those kinds of things. And that's about it. Thank you so much for listening and I will see you next week.